are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, going to be discussing West Virginia transfer Trey Mitchell. On yesterday's episode, we discussed him entering the portal being a possibility, and then just a few hours after that episode went up, Trey Mitchell announced that he would be entering the portal, and then at about 9, 10 a.m. today, uh, there were reports saying that he has officially entered, and on top of that, he will be taking a visit to Kentucky. So the Wildcats all over Trey Mitchell to start things off in the transfer portal. Could they finally be landing a transfer portal piece, especially one that they desperately need? Also going to talk about the NBA draft. Kazen Wallace, Chris Livingston get drafted. Want to talk for a second about clutch sports and the impact that it had on Livingston's draft process and his career uh, with the Wildcats. I think that there's some pretty obvious things that we can take away from this. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching us for the first time, or if you're watching us for the third time, if you've yet to subscribe to the channel, please go ahead and do so, trying to get to 5K before the start of the season. I know that we can do it, so just subscribe. If you're watching on podcast, I really appreciate it there as well. If you want to follow along there as well, that would be much appreciated. I lied to you guys, okay? Straight up, I said that we were going to be doing a Monday, Wednesday, Thursday schedule for the podcast. This felt like pressing news that I wanted to go ahead and discuss instead of waiting until Monday. I felt like that would kind of be stupid. So here we are talking about Trey Mitchell on a Friday, just kind of a, I guess, I'm not saying it's a gift, but just ta-da, we're talking about it. I felt like it was important to discuss it with you guys. So here we go. Trey Mitchell, we discussed him a little bit on yesterday's episode. I've got a little bit more information, got to watch a little bit of his tape, kind of give you some opinions on what he is and what he isn't for UK uh, if he was to commit. But the first thing I want to get to here is the report. According to Travis Branham of 24-7 Sports, I believe he was the first person to put this out. West Virginia big man Trey Mitchell has officially entered the transfer portal. A source confirms to 24-7 Sports, Mitchell will visit Kentucky this weekend. Also, John Rothstein tweeted out and said Kentucky is expected to be a strong, a strong potential destination for uh, WVU transfer Trey Mitchell. On top of all of this, I believe uh, it was like it was very quickly announced uh, earlier this morning. That was just like from multiple sources, not just Brandon, but multiple people that hey, uh, he's coming to Kentucky to take a visit. He's a strong contender. Uh, the or the the Wildcats are a strong contender for him. Uh, there are a few different teams that have reached out to him, one of the teams most like, namely being Oklahoma State. But if Kentucky can take, get this visit and wrap this thing up uh, in, in blue and white before anybody else can touch it, I mean, that would be absolutely phenomenal. And I think the Wildcats have the potential to do that because of what it could mean for their roster. So obviously we've discussed the entire summer the whole debacle over the fact that Kentucky simply needs bodies in the room they haven't been able to get anybody in the transfer portal they've hardly been able to really do anything outside of just get a couple of different players to take official visits they've had some offers for different players but at the end of the day the Wildcats have not been able to actually cast their rod 
get a bite, and then reel the fish all the way in. And I know that's somewhat of a crude metaphor, but I think you follow me here. Coach Calipari and this coaching staff have consistently failed to go out and get the transfer portal pieces that they might have potentially been interested in. Obviously, the biggest one, Hunter Dickinson. You needed somebody at the center position to help shore things up, especially if Oscar Shibway did not come back. What happened? Oscar Shibway announced that he would be entering the NBA draft. He ends up not getting drafted, and here we are without a center to pair with Uganda and Yenzo for the 2023 season. Thankfully, though, there are still options out there. Samto Cyril of Overtime Elite, a four-star center that could reclassify to Kentucky if he wanted to this season. Uh, the Wildcats have had him on campus already. I'm not sure where that recruitment stands right now. Would it shock me if he didn't come this year but came next season to Kentucky? No, that would not shock me at all. Maybe give him one more season to play with OTE, see what he's capable of, maybe develop a little bit, all that good stuff. As of right now, a second option has emerged for UK. West Virginia, uh, former coach there, Bob Huggins, resigned just a few days ago for reasons we're not going to get into here on the show. And then there was an expectation immediately following that resignation that there would be several players entering the transfer portal after his departure. And we noted some of those guys on the show here, most notably Jesse Edwards, the transfer from Syracuse who played center. I said that I would be surprised if Edwards entered the transfer portal and even more so if Kentucky was a significant player. Trey Mitchell, on the other hand, was somebody that I was intrigued by. And sure enough, here we are. In case you don't know anything about Trey Mitchell other than the fact that he played at West Virginia this past season, let me go ahead and give you the rundown. So he started his career at UMass, actually, as a freshman in the A-10, he shot 48% from the floor and averaged almost 18 points per game. I want to be very clear here. This guy is a bucket getter, plain and simple. Has almost 1,400 points in his career, and he started it off with a bang at UMass. Shot 33% from outside the arc, shot 53% from inside I mean, all around, when you watch his game at UMass, it's kind of similar to what you see play out at Texas and West Virginia, except I think he was used more sparingly, but as his career gets on, you'll, you'll see that. But he is not the most dangerous ball handler on the floor. He doesn't look uncomfortable with the ball in his hands, but he looks more like a catch-and-shoot, pick-and-pop type of guy from the outside. And on the inside, I think he, that's really where you do start to see his arsenal grow. He's a good mid-range shooter based on what I've seen. Very solid form, by the way. I, I, I wouldn't say it's the most elite form because of kind of how, how it hitches at the top whenever he goes to release it. But uh, but overall, I think it's relatively... It, it's pretty dang smooth for a six foot nine, six foot ten type of guy. Uh, he really, really showed that off during his time at WVU and at Texas, just the ability to score at all three levels. He's got some really solid post moves, but I wouldn't say they're anything particularly like strong. I think that they're more uh, more just kind of like quick and to the point type of post moves. It's not like a center that's going to back you down, back you down, back you down, get a layup, although we do see that a couple different times in his highlights. That's just not his type of game. His type of game is truly more of kind of a, a shooting stretch big man. Uh, which is what you've seen him classified as thus far. So his freshman season at UMass, he popped off. His second season uh, with the Minutemen, he went even harder in the paint. 18.8 points per game. He shot 37% from three, 37.5% from three. That is his best mark in his career thus far. 56.7% from the floor. He also averaged 7.2 rebounds, 
2.2 assists and 1.2 steals and 1.5 blocks. So he was just out here getting everything. He was just collecting all of the statistics uh, for the Minutemen in his second season. Then he decided to enter the transfer portal. And based on what I understand, just looking at his locks, I couldn't find anything about this. Maybe it just didn't dig too hard. He played 24 games at Texas, started 17 of them. But I think an injury derailed the end of his season. I don't know. I truly don't know what happened here. Maybe it was an injury. It wasn't an injury. Maybe it was something else. But averaged nine points with the Longhorns, four rebounds, 1.3 assists, and then .7 steals and blocks together. A big statistical drop-off, 32.6% from outside the arc, 53.9% from uh, the, the from inside the arc overall. It, it just was not... It was not great compared to what we had seen him do at UMass, but I want to reiterate here, I think that, that an injury might have had something to do with this. And on top of this, it's a massive step up to a very defensive-oriented, defense-oriented Big 12. So it's also a Texas uh, scheme that I don't think would probably want to run or give him the ball as much, quite frankly, uh, as they would have at UMass. And then he got to West Virginia, and his numbers ticked back up. He averaged 12 points per game, shot 36% from three, 52% from the floor, uh, shot 78.9% from the from the foul line, by the way. 0.6 blocks, 0.8 steals, almost two assists, and five and a half rebounds per game. So what we've noticed here about Trey Mitchell is I think he's a very versatile basketball player uh, on one end of the floor. He's also, when you go and watch his film, watch his highlights whenever he gets steals and whenever he gets into the passing lanes, passing lanes, he's uh, he's very uh, anticipatory. He, he really does uh, anticipate different passes and things, and he's, that's the way that he's kind of created his steals. It's not necessarily uh, one-on-one ISO ripping the basketball away from somebody, but just waiting uh, for somebody to give it to his man and then jumping in and, and kind of seizing the moment there. But I, I think that Trey Mitchell overall is an impressive basketball player, and I think with more minutes, the volume and the statistics do go up. It's just right now, uh, I think that uh, that he does need an opportunity to show that whether or not he gets that opportunity at Kentucky, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, something else I failed to mention here, his minutes dropped from 32 to 18.6 between his final season at UMass and his only season at Texas. So he did take a dip uh, overall, because I'm sure that there were a lot of other really talented players on that Texas roster that uh, that the Longhorns could have used over him. Now let's talk about what this could be for Kentucky. And we discussed on yesterday's show about the rotation, uh, about what it could potentially look like if Trey Mitchell was going to get in. You know, there's Jordan Burks, there's Aaron Bradshaw, there's could potentially be Mitchell. What does that look like with having three guys at the power forward spot? First of all, it's not the end of the world. Depth is depth. Jordan Burks can committed here. Um, knowing that there was potentially something like this going to happen. I think the realistic thing we have to say here is, the most realistic thing I have to say here is, Trey Mitchell, while he is, I would say, forward, he can play center. And I know this is something that I hinted at on yesterday's show, but I want to actually present the numbers to you here today. So during his time at UMass, Trey Mitchell started at center. I went and looked at Kim Palm, and you go and look, 2021, he started at center for the uh, for the Minutemen, and he had 56% of his minutes played there uh, at that center spot. And then they had a six foot ten uh, senior behind him that got 30% of his minutes at center in the rotations that they played. Uh, the most dominant lineup that the Minutemen played was with Trey Mitchell at that center spot, 15.4% of the time in rotations, 
uh, that is what these that is what the lineup looked like. And then for the most part, as you go down, he was mostly the center in other lineups. But uh, Mark Gasperini, uh, Gasperini was the uh, was the backup center there uh, for the Minutemen, and he got a little bit of playing time. But point being, the six foot nine at the time, two hundred and forty pound center for the Minutemen uh, was getting buckets. And then he slimmed down, and then he transferred to Texas. And look at his stuff at Texas. I could not find a box score because, or could not find a um, the, the the lineups here, the most frequent lineups because it only includes the final five games uh, on Ken Palm from previous uh, from previous seasons. And uh, wouldn't you know it? Unfortunately, uh, it looks like an injury uh, got to uh, got to Trey Mitchell before we could get to his statistics here at the end of the season. Um, which is, I'm assuming, what happened, and that's a shame if it did, but uh, he was a starter. If you look across the other box scores here, he was the starter in this lineup, the forward in this lineup, Christian Bishop, six foot seven. They had Dylan DeSue on this roster. I'm sure you've heard his name before. Uh, Devin Askew, I'm sure you've heard his name before. Six foot nine, 225 pound DeSue backed up Mitchell, who was now down from 6'9", 240 to 6'9", 220. Dropped 20 pounds in an offseason, which is really impressive. Uh, so Mitchell played at center at Texas a little bit less than he did at UMass. He played at UMass primarily at center. And then you get to his stuff at West Virginia. And he started at power forward. He was up to he was up five pounds to 225, six foot nine, 225 uh, at, uh, at power forward. Jimmy Bell. And James Aconquo uh, were the uh, were the two centers primarily used for the Mountaineers, and then Mitchell was used in different shorter lineups uh, throughout the uh, the depth chart here uh, for WVU. So he has the ability to play center. In fact, he spent I would say about half of his career doing so. So we could see a world where you have you got onions though. If you get Somto, that's great, by the way. Then that then that's your backup center. And then you can play Burks in a, in a or excuse me, you can play Mitchell in a in a small ball lineup. But there's a world where Kentucky really just does say, screw it. If we've got all these talented guards and these talented wings, let's put Mitchell at the five and let's run a, a faster lineup and let's just run and gun a little bit. Let's have some fun. Um, that's a real possibility for Kentucky. They if they pick this guy up. They have the ability to to play versatile if they want to because Mitchell, I think, truly does allow you to do that. Again, I want to reiterate, this is not just your typical get to the post and lay it up big man. He's got range. He's got range, and he's got a good form to go along with it. Better than Keon Brooks. I want to point that out here real quick just in case anybody rushes through the comments and says, well, this is, is this Keon Brooks? No. Uh, I think it's a little bit more fluid uh, than Keon Brooks was. So you've got Bradshaw, you've got Mitchell, you've got Burks. If Mitchell does commit, I would assume that he would be playing in the Global Jam at that uh, at that four spot and replacement for Bradshaw, who will not be playing, uh, in case you didn't catch that on yesterday's episode, will not be playing in the Global Jam. So very excited about a catch-and-shoot type of guy, pick-and-pop type of guy, also really solid inside the arc. Mid-range is great. Post moves are solid. Uh, played center previously at two different schools. Could play center at UK if they wanted to run a shorter, quicker lineup. This would be a fun pickup for the Wildcats, and I would be so excited to see after this visit that uh, that Trey Mitchell commits uh, to the Wildcats. If you've got any thoughts on Trey Mitchell, if you've got any thoughts on what Kentucky has going on in the transfer portal right now, you can leave that in the YouTube comments below or hit me on the socials at LockedOnUK.
All right, I want to briefly get to what happened in the draft last night. Jason Wallace, Chris Livingston get drafted. Talk a little bit about Clutch and share some thoughts that I think are pretty clear and straightforward here uh, as we as we kind of wind down things before the Global Jam for UK. Before we get to that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Bird Dogs. We've been talking about Bird Dogs a lot recently here on the podcast, and there's reason that we're discussing them because they are some of the best shorts on the market, and I would argue that they are the best shorts on the market for you over places like Lululemon. They are stretched khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through your thigh, giving your leg a truly sculpted look. They've got great colors. They're great comfortable uh, in terms of comfortability. And I think the biggest thing for me is, again, to go back to things like Trey Mitchell, it's the versatility. You know, I think Bird Dogs has got a really, really good pull-up game. They've got a great outside shot, great post moves as well. You can wear this to the beach. You can wear this out. You can wear this to different events, I think, if you want to go for the khaki pants as well. You can check those out over at Bird Dogs. They are cool. They're dry. They're comfortable. And they've got, again, great colors as well. I had a friend just last week go to the beach, and he talked about wearing a couple different pairs of Bird Dogs, swimming in them even, and about how it really complemented the rest of his outfit. They've got these really nice coral and light blue colors. Again, they've got khaki colors as well if you want to go check those out. Bird Dogs, I think right now, are my favorite pair of shorts that I own. And if you want to get a pair of these, you can go to birddogs.com slash college. And when you place an order, you can get a free Yeti-style tumbler with it. Again, that's birddogs.com slash college for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You do not want to take your Bird Dogs off once you get them. We promise you. All right, continuing along here on the Friday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. Really appreciate everybody making Locked On Kentucky their first listen every single day. Again, normally we're going to do Monday, Tuesday, th- or Monday, Wednesday, Thursday here on the show. Decided to do, do an episode today because I truly thought it was that important that we got to the Trey Mitchell News. Also, hey, the draft happened last night. And Kaysen Wallace, I will admit, I was wrong. I think some some other people out there were wrong as well, so this is not just me. A lot of people were, were wrong, uh, but Kaysen Wallace actually ended up going higher than 15th. He actually ended up going 10th to the Oklahoma City Thunder, so the Mavs had this pick. He was going to be a Dallas Maverick, but I think they traded the rights for, I can't even remember what it, what it was for, but uh, now uh, Kaysen is heading to OKC where I'm pretty confident he will be in an NBA Finals, potentially getting a ring here within the next half decade. OKC is just simply that loaded. I'm very excited to see uh, how he pans out on the Thunder. I think what they highlighted on the ESPN broadcast is what we've highlighted here. Very strong two-way guard, excellent shooter. Uh, Whenever he is truly on, he is on fire. A very lengthy, very solid defensive prospect as well. I think that's the thing that you talk about first Whenever you look at Casey Wallace and ask about kind of what is what are what are some of his good qualities, I think that he is what Jay Bill has said, and what I'm going to say here, he is probably the best on-ball defender in this year's NBA draft class. Full stop. We got to see that at Kentucky. I got to see it in person several times, which I was very pleased with. Uh, UK does have the ability to turn out guards and get them to the NBA and make them special, right? Even Wallace said that last night. I understand some of you are not particularly excited about that, but I think that for moments like this, for guys that we truly do appreciate and support, I'm excited for Wallace. I'm excited for him getting to the next level after a season at UK. I'm really interested to see how he pans out with the Thunder. 
as yet another lottery pick in John Calipari's arsenal. Very pleased to see where he went. I like the Thunder. I think that that's a good organization right now that is building towards something. If Wallace is able to stick around for that, I think that he could be in store for some very special things uh, as a team. And then as I think individual development goes, I'm also very intrigued to see how they summarize his role uh, for OKC. So Case and Wallace goes 10th in the draft. And then you have Chris Livingston who we said we would expect to get drafted somewhere between, I think it was like 46, 47th, all the way down to 58th is, is kind of what I said there, somewhere in the late half sec of the second round. And he ended up being the very last pick in the 2023 NBA draft. He went 58th overall to the Milwaukee Bucks. And as this draft continued to go on, as we got past pick 45, you know, things started to get a little a little antsy, right? Because what Clutch Sports had said and what the draft analysis had said of Chris Livingston just a few months ago was that he is a top 45 pick, um, which guarantees him a contract, if I'm not mistaken, as well. And we had some interesting tweets go out last night from Shams, from Kyle Tucker, from Tristan Ferris, just kind of casually, you know, updating things as they went. It's like, well, here we go. It's now pick 47. Livingston still hasn't called his name. Tristan Ferris said, I, my guess is Lakers at 47. You know, that moment just kind of passed. And then you're looking on to, to pick 48, still not there, 49, still not there. And we continue to go and Twitter starts to flood with the word clutch, which in case you're wondering, Clutch Sports is the organization that kind of oversees Chris Livingston, if I'm not mistaken, gave him the clear and advised him to enter the NBA draft this season. And then Shams tweets something out. I think this is very interesting. And this was at 1045 at night. He says, update here. Clutch Sports CEO Rich Paul began calling teams in the second round and requested them not to take client Chris Livingston. It is believed Livingston has a set spot in the second round. I want to pause there for emphasis. The CEO of this company that is overseeing Chris Livingston and managing him, I guess, so to I don't truly know what's going on here calls around the NBA offices on draft night and says, don't take this player. He's going to a specific team. There is no chance on this planet, if I am Chris Livingston, am I ever, ever letting somebody do that to me? Especially if I find out that the team that's going to take me has the last freaking pick in the NBA draft. There is no way I'm letting that happen. You are potentially damaging your ability to get to the NBA by letting some schmuck in a suit at Clutch Sports tell you how it is and tell everybody in the second round, don't take this guy. That is ridiculous. Ridiculous. What if somebody wanted him at pick 40? You almost had the man go undrafted, much like two of his other players that didn't get drafted. Jacob Toppin, by the way, shout out to him for getting a two-way contract with the Knicks. I am thrilled that he is doing that, by the way. Go Knicks. I'm not a Knicks fan, but I'm excited for him now. Uh, but this is ridiculous. How on earth, if you're Chris Livingston, could you let this slide? I mean, you had to have been sitting there at pick 58 going before you got that call. Man, 
man, this is bad. This is really, really bad. I now no longer have a guaranteed contract. I could potentially be missing out on getting anything but a two-way deal, period. I could have stayed another season at UK, could have developed my skills, could have potentially been a higher draft pick. This is awful. I went from a first-rounder in November to the last pick in the draft within months. And part of it has to do with this guy right here, Rich Paul, the CEO of Clutch Sports, or the the organization itself. If I were a if I were a player like Chris Livingston, there is no way I would ever, ever after this after this stunt right here, would I ever let in myself. If I was a five star prospect going to a place like Kentucky, Duke, whatever, whatever have you, no way would I let this team, let this place manage myself. No way would I let Clutch Sports organize and distribute my name to different NBA places. Not a chance. Not a chance. I hate these organizations. I hate things like this that pop up. It almost potentially ruins a player's opportunity to get to the NBA. And I understand. I understand that there are probably multiple instances with clutch sports where they've had really good prospects come through and they've been lottery picks and they've done this, that, and the other. Rich Paul's, I don't even know the guy. I'm 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 shooting him down right now. I apologize for that. I don't truly know him, but let's be realistic with ourselves here. When things like this happen, when stunts like this are pulled, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You cannot look at this as a high school prospect and say, I'm going to a place like Kentucky. Like, I'm DJ Wagner. I'm Rob Dillingham. I'm Justin Edwards. Why would you do this? Why would you do this? Let's look at a, let's look at a player that has an opportunity to potentially be a second-round pick. Let's think of somebody like, I don't know, you got on Yenzo. Let's look at him in two years. What is he going to be doing? If he's with somebody like Clutch Sports, I would be terrified after what he had pulled, after what this company has pulled with one of my previous teammates, not a chance on the planet am I ever risking my my career, my opportunities to get drafted higher with somebody else, uh, with, with, with this guy. I would be going somewhere else. And I understand somebody out there may be saying, well, maybe Chris Livingston wasn't going to get drafted, period. Well, we don't know that because <laughs> Rich Paul didn't give any other team in the second round an opportunity to take him. So... I, I don't really know what's going on here, man. If it, it, it just doesn't seem like that's what I would want to do, guys. That's not even even so. Let's say wait, let's say that this was a team that Chris Livingston wanted to go to. Great. Now you don't have a guaranteed contract. If you'd gone if you'd gone higher, if you'd gone higher in the second round, which is a realistic possibility, who cares where you end up, brother? You're getting paid. This is the league. Doesn't matter where you end up. Just because you wanted to go to Milwaukee, doesn't mean that you that you forfeit the forfeit the opportunity to go make more money. There are just this is just weird the way that this played out. I am just not a fan of the way that this played out, and I, I hate to sit here and rant. Whew, I'm glad that Livingston got got drafted. I'm excited for him, man. He's a good fit in Milwaukee, but the way that Clutch handled this is just wild bizarre and I if I were a five-star prospect I wouldn't touch it I really do hope somebody can could, could talk me off of that ledge but it seems like a lot of people don't really care for clutch and the way that they handle things if you've got any thoughts on that I would love to hear you talk about it in the YouTube comments below I think that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky let's wind things down here you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK you can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore you can follow the show over on Instagram that is at Kentucky Podcast any questions, comments, concerns, you can leave those in the YouTube comments below or you can hit me on the socials. I will see you all on Monday for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and God bless.